We need to empower people with not just the philosophical tools, but the inspiration to break free from the system. Welcome to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds in the Liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. We need to be better people. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. We are here live. That's right. This is a special bonus live, at least for our wonderful patrons of Lions of Liberty. Patrons, I say patrons, but patrons means that you pay us and you could pay us on locals, which some of you do now as well. Uh, but I'm here with Nate and Charlie from Good Morning Liberty because you guys are actually patrons of this program. And uh, as part of that, every few months or so, you get to produce an episode. And of course, why would you not bring yourselves on to produce an episode? That's that's what I would do if I was paying to produce an episode. So so here we all are with a little crossover. Nate and Charlie from Good Morning Liberty. What's up, fellas? Oh, uh, what doing? am I doing? What's up, fellas? See, I'm I'm out of my element because it's such an informal show. I still have to ask if you're ready to roar. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm ready, ready to roar. Does everyone roar when you say that? Or are you supposed to actually make a roar it's a, sound? Or it's a mixed bag. You know? Okay, you know I mean cool um, the cool people do. Yeah, <laughs> basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ones I and every other interview just goes downhill from there. And some people are just like, hello, nice to meet you. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's not going to go well, is it? <laughs> I wanted to say what up, fella. I just want to say, dude, I think I said this last time, too. You guys put so much work into your the work you do for your supporters. and everything Some would else say too podcast. much work. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, uh, geez, I don't know how many how long we've been on here now, like a year or something like that. But you guys put a ton of extra content out there for people so it it's awesome uh, and this is a bad point for the people who are our uh, local supporters because we're actually kind of <laughs> bad at that but they do get it's hard i mean it, it's hard just to keep up even now where i don't have a full-time job it's still hard to keep up with just my own stuff just start my own content uh with this show my other shows like all the other stuff i got going on to the point i don't even know how i did it when i was working also working full-time i really I don't know how but yeah, and then it, it does really take, you know, that, that extra bit of effort to, um, you know, to uh, to do that extra content or the extra live streams or, you know, just to set things up, even just setting up a live stream for an interview that I'm already going to do and already going to publish publicly. You know, those, those five, 10 minutes, set that up and, and have it be live for, you know, patrons and everything. It, it takes time. And but, you know, we've always thought if people are going to take their their money for that, they go out and earn with their time and give it to us. You know, we're going to put in the extra effort of our own to make sure that they at least get some kind of. You know, additional value from that. Exactly. So those people that are listening to this later who didn't get the privilege, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a plug for Lions of Liberty, Patreon <laughs> Locals. You guys, here we go. Do it. Sign up for their for their stuff. It's good stuff. After you sign up for hours, I, I think yeah. is the is the way that that should go. Yeah, you do yeah, the I'm five dollar Good Morning Liberty level, and then you do the like the hundred dollar Lions level. That should work if you got That's a one right. five budget. Uh, you guys are you're still on both Patreon and Locals. We made the full switch. Uh, right. We interviewed. Dave Rubin, and uh, he wouldn't leave us alone actually until he basically forced us <laughs> yeah. with a gun. He refused to end the program until you switched with, live. Without a, yeah, without a gun actually, but kind of felt like he had a gun. <laughs> and it was like, you have He's got to a gun of some switch. kind. So, so we did. <laughs> we made the full switch. Yeah. Over. And he then he's left us completely alone after that. So. <laughs> he's like, mission accomplished. They yep. can't go back yep. now. Yeah, he's a good yeah, I mean, salesman. Ever since we were on Patreon, I mean, we got a decent number of people that said, like, I'd love to support you guys, but I hate Patreon. So, okay. And we also have, you can donate on PayPal. I may as well promote everything now. We're at paypal.me slash Lions Liberty. Also, we have a donate page over on the website where you can. we also have a bunch of cryptocurrencies. So there's a bunch of ways you can give us money. But at the end of the day, the platforms are easier for a lot of people. You know, it's, it's you, you go in, you sign up, you click whatever give us money, forget about it. Maybe for the rest of your life, forget your support and you keep setting up your money. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's easy. Yeah. It's a really easy way for us to deliver the content. That's, that's always the biggest problem with, you know, the direct support thing for me is, is then you, there, it's easy to set up a system to get, you know, payments on your website, but then, then delivering that content, that's a little more, um, you know, those, that's a few more steps. And not that we're lazy, but we're just torn in. So well, we are a little lazy in some ways, uh, but we're, we're torn in so many directions that even just getting the content up, you know, it's sometimes just stretching it thin. 
It can be a challenge. I was just talking to our people the other day that it, it's such a little thing. That, what do you mean by a, our people? Our, our our people. They know what I mean by okay. that. They they know. We all they know are. what you mean. Yeah, those GMLs <laughs> out there, those people out there. They they uh you know they they've been supporting us for a while, and we we're just telling them that's if you really care about all of these, all the liberty goodness, getting the liberty out there to the masses, something as little as five bucks a month, or heck, I was even telling everyone the other day that. You could really help get us all over the algorithms by just hitting like on a bunch of posts or sharing or commenting on things and feed the feed the tyrannical algorithms, the hateful, angry algorithms with some likes and some comments and retweets and stuff like that. And then you're actually helping getting the message out there to more people. And unless we not forget those those uh, hallowed uh uh, was it was iTunes the po- Apple Podcast reviews the five star ratings? This is just going to be an hour show where we tell people how to support our show. This is the whole <laughs> yeah. this is the whole premise. This is still an ad for your hour. We're the, we're in a day of Ruben. Both our audiences. We're not going to yeah. end this show until you all sign up for our platforms. <laughs> no, but seriously, everyone should sign up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what no, no, we do. we really need money. I, mean, I actually don't have a job, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so how's I'm uh, joking, how's but not. How is Mexico going, dude? You said like I'm going to be in Mexico and and I need to get set up. And I'm like, why the heck are you what moving to Mexico? What is up with that? Legit moved. So my wife is from here. I actually met my wife in the city, uh, you know, two plus years ago. So um, it's a it was a it, and we're kind of a mid process uh, with immigration for my stepson. So if I wasn't going to be in Los Angeles, which at this moment I don't really have any reason to be there, this made the most logical place for us to kind of stay and wait while we wait for some some very long times, but hopefully not too long um, processes to go through for him, so that we can then do whatever we want, travel together, go maybe to somewhere in the U.S. We're looking at Florida. We're who knows? Maybe we'll show up in nashville we're gonna maybe do a little bit of a, a tour before we find the exact landing spot but i mean in all, in all honesty florida is the one that that entices us the most for a lot of reasons um like my wife is free she thinks los angeles is freezing so you know like florida is oh. the one place we have visited together where she actually never mentioned being cold once so no, that, that's that's an appeal and i i just love i love the weather too i mean uh and you know it's uh zero percent income tax is also uh you know somewhat uh, appealing mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. coming from california because even right now no matter where i go and if I, if I, even if I just, even if I moved to another country entirely, California would still chase me for income tax unless I first lived in a, a, a different state. So no matter what we do down the road, it makes sense for us to first establish residence, you know, in a, in a no ta- income tax state. Cause then, you know, what, whatever the future holds, if we end up you know, being more outside the United States down the road, then we won't be chased. We'll, we'll still be chased by the U S government. Don't get me wrong, but at least <laughs> California won't also chase us. So that, that's a, that's a, a a key part of this thing. Yeah. It, it, you also have to look at um, the cost of living too, because sometimes yeah. it depends, you know, a lot of States, uh, obviously I think zero um, state income tax is huge and stuff like that. But then like, uh, you know, you asked about before the show about, you know, how's Tennessee, I would say it's decent. You know, we also don't have state income tax. We don't have the weather. Is it zero percent there too? Huh? I didn't know that. Maybe you just got added add to the list. Yeah, the sales tax and the property tax is higher yeah. than a lot of other states. But if you look at a map of cheapest states to live, Tennessee ranks, uh, I think, in the top ten. Uh, so does Florida. But so if you're looking for the weather, it's probably going to be Florida. You'll be in Tom. What is Woods the weather country. like there? I mean, I always, I, I've never actually been to Tennessee. I don't think physically at all. Maybe might have, might have driven through, but driven through. But um, I always think of it. I just think of the South as all hot. So I, I don't really have any. And that's just my generic. I'm from the North concept. So. Um, you know, since I grew up in the East Coast and, and the Northeast, so I actually grew up in Buffalo, New York, and then Connecticut. So, I, like anything, anything like below Maryland probably is hot to me, or at least was at the time before I spent twenty years yeah. in LA. But. I'll tell you this: I'm not going to move anywhere else, but Nashville probably has the worst winters, in my opinion, hmm. because it hovers around 34 degrees, so it's not freezing. And it's raining and overcast. So you get that nasty sleet, which is like worse so you, than snow. Not even sleet, really. It's just it's just sprinkling rain and and dark mm-hmm. the whole time. And because uh, we're still on Central Time Zone, even though we're pretty far over, well, we should probably be Eastern. So it gets dark at like four p.m. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So You're basically like, in, in Alaska, you can see the Northern Lights there too. Yeah. It, we actually had more overcast days than Seattle did in the month of December. But we average more overcast days than Seattle does. Do you ever get um, legit snow there? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, 
Every now and then. I think last year we had a couple days where it was like two to three inches of snow. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, but, but um, overall, and then the summers are really hot, but I, I love the, I love the people here. I think it's uh and it's a great city to, I call Nashville a really big town still. It's definitely grown a lot since we moved here, but that's why I'm not going to go anywhere because I do love it here. But uh, you should visit and think about moving here before you ultimately move to Florida well, because yes. we'll, we'll hang out with you and we'll buy you. I would like food. to visit either way because it's just, it's one of those places I've always wanted to go and then never actually get to. And now I do have some sort of a uh, potential context for other things there that might bring me there. So uh, either way, like, um, you know, we're planning to sort of do a, you know, my, my stepson's 13. He's just excited about seeing the United States. So like we plan to do some kind of like road trip type situation once we get there anyway. So I think that will likely be, if nothing else, a, a stop, stop on the road. So yeah. you're, you're going to be on. Ben Nate's going to, Nate's going to watch him while we all go to, all go to the bar. <laughs> there we <Yeah>. go. <laughs> yeah. No, I like to watch people drink. That's uh, that's okay. my thing. I like to so watch. Does he. So it works out great. Yeah, I like to watch as people get just dumber and dumber at night. And <laughs> I think it's kind of fun. And I You're can like, drive. I used to do that. I can drive them home. Yeah, like yeah, that used to be me. Look at that. <laughs> and, and you don't need to have them reach over to the wheel or anything, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So I joined Charlie. I joined their thing last night, the <laughs> the Mufasa call, and I told them some deep dark deep, secrets deep dark. of how. I, <laughs> How I shouldn't be alive right now. By the honestly. end of the call, we actually agreed. Yeah, Nate, you shouldn't drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a real thing. You know, some people can handle their alcohol, and some people end up in a roadside ditch. And I'm on the roadside ditch side of yeah. the of that equation. We met up with a friend of mine in Mexico City, uh, you know, a few days ago, who just happened to be here. And uh, you know, I was telling my wife like he doesn't drink, and, and she's like, "Oh, well, I guess he's gonna be really fun." But I was like, "No, no, he's actually one of the most fun people I know." <laughs> but uh, like, but like when I when in college, like he was the drunkest person I knew, and and even I actually he was my roommate after college for uh, like a couple of years, and he was actually like not really drinking much when I lived with him. So like Monday to Friday, there wouldn't you he wouldn't drink at all. But then if it would get to a weekend where he did drink, like it's either he would either be off like sober or he disappears for three days and comes back and you don't even know what happened. It's like, it's one or the other, you know, there's just yeah. was no in between some, like I have my, I've had my moments, but yeah, you know, for the, for the most part, I, I can drink and you know handle it. The worst thing that happens is maybe I get a little too hungover and my next day kind of sucks, but you know, I never hey, really too, do anything it's crazy. <laughs> That's great guys. That's awesome. Good job. I'm proud Not that you. we're trying to rub it in. I'm just saying it's you know, for for you. It seems like it was the right decision. So I'm just going to not to spend the whole show on this, but I'm kind of curious. Like how, how long ago was that for you? Uh, that was uh, let's see, a little over three years ago. Let's see, in June. So whatever month it is right now, I can't remember. But About yeah, three, three years and four months. Ago. Three years and four months ago. Not a single bit of substances that I decided not to have anymore. Yeah. Did you? Uh, <laughs> Did you go through any like any of those like twelve step programs, or did you just made that decision yourself and just that's all you needed? Um, I pulled up outside a couple Alcoholics Anonymous uh, things. A couple of went into one uh, one time. I, I'll tell you one thing that really helped me the most was Jordan Peterson's book, Twelve Rules for Life. That was actually a really good one, even though it's not focusing on on alcohol. Yeah. It's still it's still really around the same thing. I did read the Alcoholics Anonymous book. And it's actually a actually a really good book, uh, to tell you the truth. There's a there's a lot of good there's a lot of good. It's stuff actually just twelve life. rules for life without lobsters. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It is just with stories of people who people whose lives were torn apart by, by alcohol. So, uh, yeah, I just you know we did the Charlie and I both did the band thing touring around for a long time. And when you're just sitting in a in a bus or something and you're just riding for ten hours at a time to the next town and uh, you just just find stuff to do. And one of those things is to drink a whole handle of vodka. So <laughs> uh, it's a real thing. It's true. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't, we won't dwell on the, on the past too much there, but uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm, uh, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> and we're going to be fine. <laughs> I know like, well, let's dwell on it a little more. Cause I am just curious. Like, so I know a lot of people when they, <laughs> and I, I've noticed this from, for myself, if I give something up that I've been doing, I often replace it with, not necessarily another substance, but like some kind of activity I have to get hardcore about. Like, did you have anything like that that became sort of your replacement for you know whatever alcohol might have might have been doing for you? It was really the uh, the podcast and the trading class that we have. Uh, so I that's all I do every day, and I start mm -hmm. around five a.m. and go uh, until I fall asleep, pretty much every day, and just 
go as hard as I can at all at all of that stuff. And it wasn't as hard as a lot of people would think for me because I actually never drank until I was 23 for the first time. That was the first time I ever had any alcohol. So I'd gone that whole time hanging out around people who were drinking or you know just had. You know, at that time, I was like super against it. This is the dumbest thing in the world. Uh, all these people are heathens. All this stuff, and then you know I, I gave in uh, to the gateway to the, dr- to the gateway drug of like a <laughs> screwdriver or something like that. I don't, I don't know what it was that that someone gave me and uh, some wine. Is it mimosa of some sort? Yeah, it was yeah. actually my wife's fault. She's the one who got me to drink some wine. That's one a true night. story. Yeah, it was her fault. <laughs> yeah. And she's paid dearly. <laughs> <laughs> and she paid the price. Full circle. I'll tell you a story because Nate and I have been, for those that don't know, Nate and I have been friends for like 20 years. Um, and I remember so when... you know him pre and post alcoholic. I do, yeah. I do. So Nate didn't drink until he was 23, interestingly enough, because he knew, he knew a part of himself. He was like, mm-hmm. it's very possible I could be an alcoholic, so I don't want to get into it. Um, and then one, like when if I the, started the vigor that I that I have for pudding pops is any indication, like this is going to be <laughs> yeah. going to be wild. Yeah, when if I, I treat it like I do those pills, it's going to be really bad. <laughs> so when I when I started drinking, um, right before I was twenty one, I Nate and I were both actually good kids. You hear all these stories of people sneaking out of their houses and stuff. And I was like, what is that? Like we didn't do that. One because we lived in trailers. Um, <laughs> they're, harder, they're harder to sneak out of. <laughs> There's just nowhere to go. You can feel it when you're moving. Exactly. I mean, you just can't do it. Um, but, but I, I, you know, obviously when you're drunk, it's always the best idea. You know, you call your friends like, come party with me. So I would always be like, Nate, come do this with me. He's like, no, I don't drink. And then one day I found out that he did and I was so pissed. <laughs> and it was, uh, you and your wife were servers at this restaurant and they were having a wine tasting. And typically Nate sat out on these, but she convinced him mm-hmm. somehow. I don't know. What kind of power she has? I can, was, I can tell you. <laughs> but, but you know, you know how women can convince men of anything, pretty much, and uh, that's how it all started. It was downhill from there. Mm-hmm. And um, she was trying to get me in bed. So, and then honestly, uh, the two night, the two worst nights that Nate had, I was there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't Coincidence. know it. I I didn't know that um, Nate was drinking all day when we would go out to have dinner and some drinks, and so. By the time, like we, we both left the bar at the same time and, you know, we had a few drinks and like, I was good to drive. So I was like, Hey, see you later. He's like, Hey, see you later. And, um, it, it, Nate didn't leave. (laughs) So that was, that was the, the issue. He just turned uh, right back around and went right back in or never. I had no idea. He was like, I mean, there were a few times I knew he was drinking during the day, but I didn't know it had become like an every day. As soon as I wake up type of thing. Uh, he did a great job at hiding it from mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah, thank <laughs> so, you. Yeah, you're fantastic <laughs> at that. Yeah, <laughs> but oh well, well maybe it's going through that. But in yeah. a roundabout way, it it kind of like is the reason for the podcast in some ways, maybe because you know you needed something else to put yourself all the way into, and you now here we are. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. If, I, if, if I was still doing that, we wouldn't be able to put out a new episode every day of the week when we want to, I would just be too hammered. Or they'd just the be content. much, much more interesting. Yeah, the content, <laughs> exactly. The content would be, we, when we first started a long time We'd ago, we probably have more listeners if you did that. Actually, we started with a thing called whiskey of the week and we were doing an episode like once every week. And, um, we got too, you know, we got way too hammered drunk to release the episodes. And, uh, that's how it would be right now too. So wait, were you doing, thing. were you podcasting back then still? Or I thought it was, did you? No. I we did about twenty episodes worth when I was still drinking. About four years, almost four years. Yeah, ago. are those yeah, still like up maybe. on the archive? <laughs> can I? Can they go here before and after? Are, some of them are way back, and then we took uh, we took I don't know, several months off, got busy doing other stuff, and then Charlie just called me one day and he was like, "Hey, man, we're going to do a podcast." And I was like, "We're okay. actually going to do it consistently." And, and he was like, "Yeah, Good Morning Liberty." And I was like, "Okay, you want to do it at three p.m. every day?" And I was like, "Yeah, cool, let's do that." So the people give us crap for the name sometimes, but it's Hawaii's favorite morning show. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about, um, well, anything you want, Mark, but I, no, anything I you want, man, you're the ones that pay us money I, to do this show. I mean, I'm just here. I'm just the conduit. Well, no, but I, you know, I'm glad we could pay for your time. <laughs> <laughs> like my time, I am always available for a price. That's always been my motto. Yeah. 
<laughs> no. I learned that very young from a million dollar from the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. So. I wanted to continue, um, and so did Nate. Really, Nate. Nate really wanted to and yeah. convinced me, but but it is really interesting to me. Continue the um, the conversations really that's been surrounding uh, the the debates. I would say mm-hmm. uh, between all the different factions <laughs> of the Libertarian Party or those who are not part of the Libertarian Party, like me. I guess I'm in that faction where I'm, you know, 99% Libertarian, but I don't belong to the party. Um, but an inter- you know the interesting debate, and and because the actual problem is, is how do we get more people to actually believe in the ideas and motivated enough to make a, a change? Can we accomplish that before everything burns to the ground? <laughs> I mean, that's really to me, that's really the actual problem: is the ideas that we believe in. Can we actually implement those before the Great Reset happens? Because if history is any indication about what is coming in the future, there's going to be a great recess. It happens to every empire. So um, can we reverse course on that? And I think the only way to do that is through the Liberty message. Um, can we convince enough people before that, before it's too late? Well, uh, I, I went on about an hour long rant on this, on a peak show on uh, free man beyond the wall, which just released today. Well, today for the, the people kind enough to pay us money who are watching this live, um, yesterday, if you're missing, I'll probably drop us over the weekend if you're listening in the public, but, um, short answer. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that we, it's, I think one thing that I have learned from like eight years of doing this eight years of podcasting eight years of talking about these and i should i say eight years that's just in the podcasting part i mean i've been talking about this stuff for 15 years really since like 2007 or so and i think for a long time i really just believed these ideas are so fucking awesome these ideas are so obviously true and so amazing that all we got to do is just get it out to enough people and then they'll wake up like i did they'll have their ron paul moment and they'll they'll see everything clearly and they'll want to end the fed and they'll want to you know decriminalize drugs and all these wonderful things and you know bring our taxes zero and the government and all this stuff tomorrow Stop but, bombing brown people and all yeah, that stuff yeah, yeah all that great stuff but the the truth that is hard to accept and i think it took me a long time to accept this is that it simply doesn't work that way i mean it simply doesn't work that way um you can especially when i think it, what's more clear now than than it was to me a couple of years ago is we're not just dealing with like having the right argument with certain people that are truly genuinely interested in the correct answers for politics. No, we're dealing with, we're dealing with things of a religious nature. I mean, when we look at the COVID regime, when we look at the responses to these things, when we look at the, the overall systems that are in place, you can actually see a religion forming like Ven Armani calls it the church of woke. Um, but it, it, whatever you call it, 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 it has all the patterns of a religion. And I spent my time as an atheist, which I, I no longer consider myself trying to logic people out of their religions and that never worked. So it's not going to work this way either. You can't logic anyone or reason anyone out of a religious belief. And so that, that is one thing. Hello, alarm that, went, that didn't turn off. Um, I mean, that's one thing that I, I think I have had to face and it's hard to face when I've done a podcast for eight years where I spread these ideas and how, 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 how am I going to go on a podcast and say, this doesn't work, everybody. <laughs> but and well, it just means. Would, I mean, an idea be, would an idea be to structure liberty as a religion as well to compete on that level, like the theological level? Because, I mean, I, I agree that um, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. It's definitely become a religion, a dogmatic religion at that, even. I mean, there's rituals and stuff that these people practice. You. Yeah, almost. Um, they they and, even got a baptism. You go and get your shot, and you post it on the internet, and then <laughs> exactly <laughs> public display of, <laughs> of your belief. But do you create? Do you create? You know, or or do we somehow because because I do think a theological level is a deeper. Um, it's it's almost like a deeper than by a biological or like a a, a, a natural a realm, right? That you're dealing with because people will go against their own. Uh, biological instincts to follow religion, right? And so it's, sure. it's a very people will sacrifice but, their children for a religion, which very much yeah, goes right. against the biological instinct. And so, so, yeah. so, so that's the, I guess that's the question is to compete um, at that level. Do we have to, do we have to make Liberty religion as well? Well, the other, one other thing I want to add to that is, um, you know, j- the thought I had while you were talking about how, yeah, this isn't going to work, which, you know, I tend to lean 
<clears throat> that direction as as well. But yeah, this isn't going to work. Not uh, to blackpill all our fans out there, but <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't mean I'm I'm going to stop trying or anything. Oh, but uh, it isn't going to work because it's like a religion. But then again, you really have a large and growing atheist population. A lot of people going away from the church when it comes to Christianity, and that is a religion also. And so you can have a population move away from whatever the dominant religion is. So maybe we need to think about how to move away from whatever this dominant religion is. How does that happen? How do people become atheists uh, towards, uh, towards Christianity and everything? How do they become atheists towards the government? Well, I, I don't, um, first of all, I don't think anything, anyone becomes an atheist. I actually don't think atheists even exist. I, and I say this as a former person who called myself that, because I think when you, when you become an atheist or when someone rejects a religion, a, a specific religion, maybe, or just religion overall, they're not, they're not stopping worship. They're not stopping the whatever is inside us that makes us want to worship, that makes us want to have something we believe in. They just replace it with something else. So sometimes maybe it's CrossFit, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's, uh, for me, it was Ron Paul. Like for me, the Ron Paul revolution was my fucking religion. Like I literally got a shirt and tie on and knocked on doors to evangelize my religion to people in Los Angeles because <laughs> I wanted yeah. them to believe in it. And so I think all you ever do is you shift the worship, you shift what you're, what you're using as a religion. I mean, look at the most popular movies now, Harry Potter, um, Marvel superheroes. I mean, these are literally gods and people become fast, uh, you know, absorbed in this stuff so much that it becomes their life. It becomes their religion. So I think all, all you do is, is shift around where the worship is. So I think like you, like you were asking earlier, uh, Charles, like to, to compete with this, we, I don't know, we have to form a religion called like liberty or anything, but I think we need to think in religious terms. We need to think in, 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 on a deeper level. We need to think on a spiritual level. And I don't have the answers really. Cause I, cause I'm, I'm kind of on my own sort of spiritual process in a sense as well. But I, so there's one thing I can say is that I, I don't think like, like, look at how, look at God bless Tom Woods this last year and a half. He has done amazing, amazing work comparing charts, comparing countries like proving over and over again that, that there's no correlation between mass mandates, no correlation between lockdowns and, and COVID, like none at all. And it doesn't matter at all because charts and graphs don't move people. They do reinforce people that already believe something. Like I see the charts and graphs. I'm like, yes, this, this, uh, this is, uh, you know, supports what I already believe. But if I was, you know, in full on in the COVID regime or, you know, Church of Oak or what have you, I would scoff. I wouldn't even glance at this thing because it's not what I believe. So it's not going to convince me of what I believe. Yeah. So let me ask you a little bit deeper question. You brought up Harry Potter and some of these other archetypes. And it seems that we have throughout human history that, you know, we have this archetypical path almost that we have to follow that's deeper grained even than our biological instincts. So what, what do you think is a reasoning for that? Um, does that mean that there's a God, so to speak? <laughs> Tell I us, mean, I mean, it transcend that transcends, right? It transcends uh, yeah. death, right? It transcends all these things. What, I mean, what is that? Like, what it does? It does suggest that there's there's something more than the simple material world that that we see before us. Um, I don't know if you guys um, are familiar with like Joseph Campbell, hero with, with a thousand faces. Like, he goes through through like throughout history where basically every story um he kind of lays out his concept of the hero's journey and whether it's the bible or freaking lord of the rings or harry potter it's basically the same story every single time it's kind of the story and of humanity drawn to it. and everyone's yeah, and, so and, drawn to it and those are the most and the, and the most popular ones are the ones that stick closest to that that archetypal story so like like for like Lord of the Rings uh, is, is sticks very, very close to the archetypal story of like, say the Bible. There's a lot of simil similarities to this hero's journey, um, you know, uh, and Harry Potter as well. And those are two of the biggest franchises we've ever seen. Um, so I, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, I, I think there is, and I, I don't know what it means, but it means something. <laughs> I don't know whether it's just in our biology cause it is, I don't know, but I, it, it definitely suggests that there's, there's either some kind of collective consciousness or something that sort of maybe it's just in our DNA somehow that that binds us to more than just more than just by biology or, you know, it, it binds us in a way that there's there's something ingrained in us. There, there's like a common spirit within all of us. And boy, I, I mean, I, I wish I was smart enough to know what it all really means. I, I honestly don't think we'll I'll, I'll really know what it means while I live in this material plane and this sort of, you know, this uh, meat body I'm, I'm inhabiting right now. But 
but I, I, it means something, <laughs> you know, I, I think it means there's, there's just, there's a lot more to life um, than we see in front of us. There's a lot more to, to all of this, uh, the story of humanity than we can even necessarily comprehend on this plane of existence, I guess you might say. So, um, but I mean, I, I've seen, I don't know. I've just, I, I've, I've learned a lot in the last few years, both just by reading, both um, by reading books like Daniel Joseph Campbell, by going through some of my own sort of spiritual experiences, by studying other religions, to, to, to see that there are such commonalities between, between all the things, between, between various myths, between the hero's journey stories, between various religions. Like, this can't all be coincidence. This is the way I see it. You know, whatever it really means, there's something, there's something behind all of this. There's something... I think there's, there's something behind the veil, so to speak, of, of what humanity really is, of what really, what really binds us together, what keeps civilizations together. And, you know, I, I guess the first step is just recognizing that that's true. And once you know that that's true, maybe you're not going to understand fully why that's true. And maybe we can't understand why it's true totally. That, you know, a lot of, a lot of you know, philosophers and religions will have their own ideas about, about it, and they'll have their own stories. Um, but I think we need to at least start recognizing that it, that it's true and and acting accordingly. And I think if we try to reject that, we try to market libertarianism as just this sort of a spiritual, um, like yeah, a, a theological. Um, I'm not saying it needs to be a religion in that way, but when we try to reject that and push it away, I think it just you know leads to to more chaos. And I think we see that you know, in the Libertarian Party of all places, you know, what there's, there's no spiritual anything behind the Libertarian Party. It really just, I don't think they even, re- not, I'm not saying they should, but, you know, even the founding of this country, like the Republican Party, I mean, they, I'm not saying they stick to it, but they reference the founders. Like it, it, there, there's that spirit of America, that, that myth of America. And it is a myth. I mean, the founding of the country is a complete myth, but it's a myth that's, that's binded people. It's a myth that's held people together. The Libertarian Party and the Libertarian ideology doesn't have that. It just says, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, which if you're, if that's all you're going to say, well, I mean, following most major religions basically says the same thing. So does it make sense to reject all of this and just say, well, let's replace it with an, an, an idea of this moral, this, this non-aggression principle. Why do you believe it? Eh, we just do. Um, or should you tap into that, that spirit that is there, that spirit that if you really follow it and you really um, adhere to like, you know, the, the, the principles of like what a lot of major religions would teach if you really followed them. Now, most people, I don't know about most people, but a lot of people, and I think I fell into this trap when I considered myself more of an atheist, I would look at the actions of certain people and say, well, this, this doesn't seem like this doesn't, you know, line up with what their religion says. So that would make me reject the religion. I really should have just rejected the people. <laughs> you know, it's not the religion's fault that the people don't actually interpret it or don't actually practice it or don't live by it. That's not the fault of the religion. That's the fault of the people. And, you know, just just like uh, a lot of libertarians don't follow the NAP and don't really act that libertarian when you meet them in real life. So it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I think it would be a really good idea for people in the Libertarian Party to read this this whole story that we're talking about. And then you apply it to marketing. There's a really good book called Story Brand Marketing by Donald Miller. Uh, And it talks about this whole thing that every story there is a there is a hero, there is a villain there and then there is a guide. And it's telling you about marketing and you want to position yourself as the guide and the hero is obviously you got Luke, you got Luke Vader and Obi-Wan. There you go. Yeah. And that's and that that is always the case uh, in in most of these stories. And so what the and then, of course, you got to present what the end goal is for the hero. Also, what is it that they want? Who is it that is stopping them from getting what they want? And how are you going to come in there as the guide? and just help them defeat that villain and get the things that they want. And so really, the Libertarian Party maybe should, uh, some people, maybe they have, they should read this book and figure out how to position yourself as the guide. you got to figure out what it is that people want. I think they have one premise really wrong, and Charlie and I probably disagree on this. I don't think people care as much about liberty as they do about safety. I think uh, in general... I think in general, we like to think that people want freedom, but I don't actually think that's true. Well, so let me um, challenge both of you on this. Thing. Well, I, I, just to <laughs> say, I, 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 want to, I want you to challenge it, but challenge it in the context of the last 20 months, because that's what the last 20 months will come. I will. I will. Yeah. I'll challenge it in the, last 20, in the last 20 months, okay? And here's my question. Is if it's true, if, if that's true, right? And let's say the LP doesn't have a shot or Liberty itself doesn't have a shot. Why is it that most Americans, uh, and as far as percentages are concerned, when it comes to choosing something, why are most of them independent? Why do most 
Americans fall in that 45% uh, percentile when it comes to political beliefs where they don't agree with the right, they don't agree with the left. Where is it that they fall in there and why are we not capturing them? Why well, Bern, it- Bernie's an independent, so that's not a really good... Yeah, I, I might start by challenging that concept because I know you're talking about like the, the numbers of the voting rolls or whatever, but uh, when, when those independents go to vote, who do they vote for? They vote for Democrats or Republicans. So maybe they didn't do, do paperwork and they don't feel passionately enough about a party to go choose one when they sign up for something. But when they actually break to that moment, it's not like they're going to vote Libertarian or they're not voting for independent party candidates. No, they're voting for Democrats and Republicans. So I think that's kind of a nominal you know, statistic, to be honest. I don't think it has any meaning. So let's start there. I think, <laughs> I think the, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll just say, I do think that people do choose safety over liberty time throughout history that's continued to happen. And I think people are driven by fear most of the time. And maybe we are, maybe we are too. Maybe we just understand that a tyrannical government is something that you would fear more than COVID or something that you would fear more than not having a guaranteed job or a guaranteed income. And so something that we would need to do is show, scare the hell out of people. No, just show them that actually you think that you're choosing safety by giving, letting the government do all this. And that's the government's great job of propagandizing everyone and, and making people think that they're safer by choosing all of this. But actually you're not choosing safety. And here's actually the safer approach for, for the most amount of people. Well, so, okay, you kind of squashed my stats there, and I, I don't disagree with that. But let me challenge you in another way, then, on the same <laughs> point, both of you. Okay. So first point this conceded, may, check. This may be, I didn't say conceded. But, it's not easier than for debates. But, but Did you know on. you'd be moderating the debate between me and Charlie and yourself today? No, hang on, hang on. Hang Every on. show's a okay. debate at this point. Even when so it's a solo this may show. Be more, this may be more empirical evidence, but I'm sure it's true for you, Mark, as it is for both me and Nate. And I'm speaking for Nate because I can. Um, <laughs> when you go talk to everyday people, most of them are pretty libertarian, right? Seems, so sometimes it, it sometimes seems that way. Is it, it, is it a sense more but, so that like, the political realm really isn't affecting them? Um, and, and now in the last 20 months, it has. So I think you've seen a lot more people upset about losing their liberty when they're for, well when they're forced to do things or something like that i mean you have 70 million people that still refuse to get vaccinated will not pay attention to the mandates are willing to lose their jobs and all kinds of stuff because now it's actually affecting their actual life whereas before maybe they weren't so affected but i, I feel i feel like genuine genuinely when you when you talk to most people they typically align with where you're at they just never really heard of it before they never knew where they where they, they didn't feel like they fit into one of the parties. And most of the times they were voting for the person who they thought would suck less or whatever. But genuinely, I think they, most people want a different way. I would think, I, I mean, I do, I do think Nate's not incorrect that I think people will err. It's on another the side. way of saying I'm right. I was a roundabout <laughs> way to <laughs> people will err on the side of safety. However, I, I think people still want to be free. I, I think people yeah. want to, have freedom in the way they think of freedom, not in the way that that's not necessarily the same way that I think of freedom. I forget who I heard talking about this. I feel like it might've been Pete, um, but they were talking about a, a conversation they heard might have Matt Erickson. I don't know, but you know, it was, it was basically like a guy from Europe who was saying, you know, talking to like an American who was saying like, what do you mean? You guys aren't free. You have to pay for your healthcare. You have to pay for all this and that. He's like, I'm free. I can get sick and go to the hospital and all my medical and I have everything taken care of. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I pay these taxes, but I don't care about that. You know, so it's his concept. It, you know, according to that European guy, he is completely free because that's his concept of what that means. Whereas to the American or whatever, that would seem not, well, some Americans, that would seem like freedom too. But, you know, to the American that thinks, no, that, that's tyranny, you know? And so I think we have to realize too, like when we, when we use these words, you know, one person's freedom is not another person's freedom. And that's, that's why I, I don't know. I, I really started to really think more. I think the more, more of the message we need to push is not, not necessarily like we need to turn the world libertarian. Cause that's, I just don't think anything like that or the world or the country or even your freaking state or city you're probably not going to turn everything libertarian, but you can create your own communities where you have your own kind of freedom. And that's a message you can sell to anybody that wants any anything they define it as their own liberty. The problem is some people aren't satisfied with that. And like the hardcore left is not happy to have their own 
California while Texas does their own thing. No, California wants to, the Californians want to control Texas. The Californians want the federal government to exist to control Texas and Tennessee and Florida. So even that has the problems, you know, because you're, you know, there's, there's just a certain percentage of the population that believes they must control others for the good of everyone. And again, I don't know how you logic anyone out of that. I think most people have a little bit of a natural drive to help, uh, to help other people. And, and, I think that they see it as so you said that people on the left, like they're not okay with their community having the things that they want. And then they look out and they see that. Well, I would also say that for people like us as well. Like I was just saying before the show, I think, or whenever it was that the town I go shopping and everything, I never had to wear a mask. I haven't had to get a vaccine yet. I don't have to do any of this stuff, but I still spend all day over here at stroke levels. Uh, worrying about all the other things that are going going on and how I can try and solve that. Maybe that's just an aspect of having a podcast and talking about it. But if just my town has the liberty that I'm talking about, I guess in the same way, I'm not I'm not completely satisfied with that either because then I see all these other people that are being harmed by this, and I feel like I should do something to try and to try and help that. And I think that's what people on the left probably end up with as well. They're just wrong. <laughs> yeah i mean I you're right yeah i mean there there is a sense of that um it's just I, I don't know how much we can affect things outside of forming our own communities forming sort of alternative pathways uh for people to sort of live outside the systems that they see as oppressing them or that are oppressing them in many ways uh and then besides that all we can really do is this you know we can have our platforms we can talk luckily we do live in an era where this microphone literally anyone in the world that wants to well no they got to pay us for today but anyone in the world tomorrow can listen to this live or not live can listen to this after the fact and hear our message so that i, that, I think that's the the one hope i have in, in terms of reaching but i see that i see more of that is like finding like finding the wheat among the chaff you know like like i think by by sending our message out there there are some people that end up hearing this and say oh i i actually agree with what these guys are saying or like i, I like the way mark talks about things i like the way nate and charlie talk about things and, and those individuals end up you know becoming patrons supporters or whatever and followers and and maybe they craft their message maybe we influence the way they 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 they, um you know they speak and give their message but at the end of the day i don't don't think that like i don't think we're ever going to broadcast this out here and like you know the u.n the president of the u.n is going to be elected and be like you know what let's do freedom instead let's just dissolve this whole thing like i just don't I don't see that as a realistic don't thing. Yourself short, Mark. You can speak <laughs> and be trending on Twitter, Twitter, uh, Twitter uh, immediately afterwards someday, and it's going to drive political change because of something that you said into the my, microphone. My wife said yesterday, actually, that uh, separating the wheat from the chaff was too old. She didn't know what it meant. <laughs> it was an old, an old. I old guess saying. I don't really know what it means. I've just I'm been saying it my whole that. life. What the I'm fuck is chaff? I don't old. even know. Chaff's the part you don't eat, I guess. I grew, yeah. yeah. I grew up on a farm and I barely know what that means. So yeah. it's like so the combine know. does that for you. Separating you the milk that. from the, the cow or the. So we're talking about the political change part. One thing uh, you have a, a lot of well, great let debates. Me, let me bring up something real quick okay. before you before we switch gears. Well, because we, we don't have a lot, a lot of time, but I Sorry. want one question. I, I need, let me bring up Jesus then. Um, <laughs> Let's go right to Jesus. Jesus. Is that because I look like Jesus right now? Well, no, because you said that we're not really going to convince a lot of people or whatever. Uh, in a sense, you kind of said that we're not going to turn a whole state libertarian or whatever. So let me bring up our Jesus, which is Ron Paul. Okay? <laughs> he and, was my Jesus for many years. Exactly. Well, he yeah. still is. I mean, I don't know. Okay. Was the guy? Yeah. And explain to me how he had such an impact. I mean, how did if if we are not able to influence people enough to be liberty minded, so to speak, like if that's a foregone conclusion. Um, and I know you mentioned like we have our microphones and stuff, but like, how was Ron Paul able to generate such an incredible movement? Um, and, and then like, what, like, what are we not doing correctly? I guess would be the, would be the next. It, I think question. one of the problems with the Liberty movement for a long time is that we've been trying to replicate Ron Paul or we're, we're looking for the next Ron Paul or the new Ron Paul revolution or what have you. And I think that's a mistake because I think Ron, the Ron Paul situation was such a, so unique, so incredibly unique that to replicate it, it, it wouldn't, you'd never be able to do it. You, something, something different could happen, but I don't think you could really replicate that because Ron Paul was a, I mean, he had a, like 
this multi-decade history. First of all, he was a congressman, not because of his ideas of the liberty. I'd like to believe that. Not because he talked about the Federal Reserve, went knocking on doors, talking about the Federal Reserve. He was a congressman and kept getting reelected because he he delivered half his district. Like like everyone just knew him. And they when you deliver someone's babies, I mean, this is the person that brought your child into the world. Yeah, you're probably going to be like, oh, I'll vote for old Ron, of course. So, I mean, that's why he was a congressman for so long, because most congressmen with his with that don't take money like he didn't that that don't sell out like he didn't that don't you know that aren't beholden to lobbyists like they don't last no one like that lasts he only lasted like for so long because of sort of the unique situation he was in in his district uh that he was it was really hard you're never going to outvote ron paul in that district with all those people that knew him uh and and that he had delivered all their babies so that that really is why he was able to be in congress so long while remaining so principled um and then on top of that he because he was able to get reelected so many times and you know he wasn't beholden to lobbyists he was able and he was a very is is i don't want to was him uh, he is a very principled person and he you know he he stuck to his guns and he always made this point of getting on the congressional record so he had this like three decade track record uh that he can really point to saying i've been saying this for 30 years go look at the quotes i've been saying this the whole time and i think and and then i so that, that's why he had like the credibility that's why he was able to be in that position he was in in the first place um but you know All the way because he was a republican and not a libertarian well, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So that's the other funny thing. Now, people trying to replicate the Ron Paul revolution in the Libertarian Party. Well, I think you're missing a big step. You know, I mm-hmm. think you're I think you're kind of like and it gets glossed over. It's like, it's like, yeah, but it's a different era. It's the Internet now. And like, OK, well, the, the Republican Democrats still control the system. So that didn't change. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my response to that would be, OK, maybe we can get out to more people than we could a while back. But which one would be better? So you mm-hmm. could say we could get out to a lot of people as as libertarians live streaming on Facebook. But which one would be better? Libertarians live streaming on Facebook, which is a new show you guys need to do. Uh, <laughs> and or or a libertarian Republican telling uh, telling Rudy Giuliani uh, how it is on the stage right. again, which I, you know, I don't think Giuliani would be up there. But you guys get the you guys get the idea. Yeah. Which one would be better? I mean, I, I would love to see, honestly, like the more I thought about it, I would love to see, especially because of the way the Libertarian Party operates. And if the LPMC can really take things over and say 2018 and kind of control the rules, you, they could certainly make a rule change and allow uh, someone to. And this happened already, actually. Gary Johnson ran the Republican in the Republican primary and then hopped over to the Libertarian Party. I don't see any reason Dave Smith couldn't run as a Republican and, and as a Libertarian simultaneously. I don't see any reason that he couldn't do that. In fact, one could help the other could help the other. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the problem is everyone's so binary in their thinking, like libertarians are triggered by that idea. Like, oh, the Republicans, the warmongers, because they think it's 2005, the warmongers, the police state. Like, that's not what mo- that's not what a lot of the Republican Party, of course, that still exists. But that's not really what a lot of like the energy of the Republican Party is nowadays. The energy of the Republican Party is much more isolationist. Yes, there are like, def- I guess they're you know, I'm not going to get into the whole immigration thing because that's neither open borders nor closed borders is limit is, is libertarian. There's no, there's no libertarian position in our, in our possible, in our state of system. So put that one aside. Uh, but mm-hmm. there, you know, it's, it, this is not 2006 It's not 2008. Um, and there, I, I, I do think Dave Smith could, could do awesome in Republican debates because he would get on the stage. He would absolutely get on the stage. He's already been on, he gets on Fox news. Uh, you know, he gets on mainstream platforms. He would definitely get on the debate stage. If, if he announced he was re- running as a Republican, he would be there. And I don't see any reason if, you know, for the people that are disgusted by the Republican Party, don't want to be involved in it. Okay. I, I don't either. I don't really. But I just, I'm just talking about someone who wants to, what he wants to watch. You know, I want to see David Smith on that freaking national debate stage. And he's not going to get there as a libertarian. And maybe it doesn't work out. You know, maybe he doesn't get the nomination because the system's rigged. Well, great. How many more people is he going to get to in that interim period just being on that debate stage? A lot more. Um, and maybe he could then go back and harness that energy back into the Libertarian Party if you want. That's okay too. You know, once once that whole process is complete, who knows? Maybe some crazy Donald Trump shit happens and he actually starts winning states. I don't know, but he's not going to win states to Libertarian. <laughs> I mean, come on. Popular Libertarians have all been Republicans. Yeah, <laughs> that's Ron Paul, Justin Amash, all, all of them. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Gary Johnson was Gary Johnson. only elected as a Republican. That's uh, that. That's yeah. still the and thing when he, I don't understand how they don't. And when he that. ran as a senator in his own for senate in the in his own state that he was a Republican for, he got like eighteen percent. And this is the, and he was a very popular re- Republican governor. Like he won two terms, I think at pretty high margins. Uh, at least it's, I know his reelection was a pretty high margin. And he floundered when he ran in a state where he's supposed to pop, be popular in. Why? Because he had the L next to his name. And I, I think for a long time I, I wanted to be like, you know, this like 
reject the duopoly or this and that. All right, but that's a different game. That's, a, that's playing a different game. So if you want to play that game, then play that game. But it's a losing game because the duopoly is not going to change the duopoly for you. So you can't change no, the duopoly from outside the duopoly. It's not possible. You need to infiltrate. And if you want to change the rules, like uh, all the ballot access and debate access, you're going to have to have some Republicans and Democrats to vote for that to be able to happen. That's the only what's going to, yeah. and they are not going to allow that. That's Trust me, just, I don't like this. I don't like admitting this, but I have yeah. to admit it after watching the app for this long. Like I, I can't keep lying to myself. That's exactly what I wanted to to hear your opinion on today was uh, was what to do with this whole Ron Paul revolution idea. I do agree that we need to stop focusing on Ron Paul. We need to focus on his Latter Day Saints. Unless we actually get Ron Paul to run again, then we can focus on Ron Paul revolution. <laughs> then I'm down. Imagine but he ran in 2016. <laughs> what that would have been like. Listen, we drove up to Iowa to support Rand. I think it is. It drives me nuts how libertarians treat Rand uh, because he's not as pure. But we say this all the time. He's also not as charismatic. He's not as like, that's the problem. He doesn't have the it factor that Ron Paul somehow did have. When he's talking, he He sounds completely fake when he's talking. Yeah, that's that's it. That being said, probably the best senator ever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the, he's kind of like maybe a, a Peter or a Paul instead of Jesus. <laughs> you know, he's an apostle. <laughs> well, we, are, I mean, we yeah. are building the new religion here, actually. Exactly. <laughs> like, look, we're on a theological level here. Okay. So we need heroes. Uh, we need to stick to the archetype. Okay. Like, yeah. maybe Ram Paul is a, you know, he's a really nice guy. He's like Peter, but he denied Jesus three times. <laughs> He denied his father three times. <laughs> yeah. right? But hey, he still has the message, right? And he's a really good apostle. But but we need um we need a new Jesus. <laughs> I, I even heard Dave We need a baby Jesus. I even heard Dave Smith say during one of those debates that uh, um, you know, I like Ram, but then he got up there and he was stumping for Trump when Trump was running. Like, don't don't we understand any strategy at all? And that listen, the utmost respect for Dave Smith. Well, I, think Dave's, I think what Dave's just on that point, just I, I, maybe you heard something different, but I've heard Dave mention this a lot, and I think when he criticizes Rand on that thing, it's maybe he does criticize him for something for Trump too. But I, he, what his real big criticism during Rand's campaign is like from that first debate when they said like, "Well, you all pledged to uh, you know to support the Republican nominee," and, and Trump was the only one that said no, and then Rand went off and was like, "This guy's not even a Republican; he can't even pledge to support the nominee." And the, it was such an anti-Ron Paul thing to say that I think that. That that moment was such a breakaway from the spirit of the Ron Paul revolution, and it was in the first debate because Ron Paul's whole thing was like, "I am principled. I never cave. I never just say I'm just going to support whoever the nominee is." And then Rand Paul took the exact opposite position, and I think that Dave points that moment out a lot, and I think he's really right that 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 just sucked the wind out of so many. I mean, I remember watching it, thinking like, "Really? This is what you're saying? You're criticizing this guy because he's he's saying what your dad would have said? Like he's literally saying, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see who they are. Like that's all Donald Trump said." And Randall Paul just went crazy on him. And I think that was just such a strategic blunder. I, I can see that with the libertarian crowd. I, uh, but I also... I yeah, also strategic like- blunder. With, I should say strategic blunder with the Ron Paul people, not necessarily with yeah. the overall thing. I also think Rand noticed that his dad didn't win in those presidential elections. And I think he, he wanted to take some steps that could actually lead to him winning. And, and so when I think about that, I think about what would the strategy be the whole keep your friends close, your enemies closer thing. What could you actually do to stay closer to the power? I think having Rand in there, buddies with Trump, was actually a pretty good thing. Uh, while while Trump was in office, maybe he kept us from going to war with Iran. Who knows? Uh, but I think it was better than him not being there because it's hard and, to quantify what things were. You know, didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't contrast, know, but, the, contrast that with like Justin Amash, who spent like two years or three years with TDS and what did he accomplish there? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a congressman, a little different, but you know, he certainly didn't have any influence on Trump where Rand did. Why? Cause he played the game different. And how much is he helping now that he's great? He's a libertarian. Awesome. Yeah. That means he's not in office anymore. Yeah. That's exactly what that means. Definitely not the national level. <laughs> That's yeah. literally what it means. And it actually means he prob- probably never will be like, he's probably going to be among I see the contenders right now for the LP nomination essentially as three people, Spike Cohen, Dave Smith, and Justin Amash. And so that's his best. That's, I mean, so the best case scenario is he gets the libertarian nomination because maybe Dave doesn't run. I think it's, I honestly think at the end, it, even though like the, the old school factions in the party wouldn't want it, 
I think Dave is able to get enough energy and enough people in that if he if he wants it and ends up wanting it, he he can take it. Um, but interesting those three because I had no idea who I'd want. I worry about that. I would go for Spike Cohen over that. Uh, Pretty easy. I love I I love all those guys. Um, you know, Spike got the whole nipple thing going against them, but uh, oh, I thought he was going to say going for him. I was like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, I was just thinking like politically because, hey, people like the, you know, when you think of libertarians, it's like a, a fat naked guy dancing on stage. And no offense if you're listening, fat naked guy uh, didn't mean the shame or anything, but that's kind of what you think of. And I think libertarians don't realize what the media could do to libertarians if they cared about libertarians. They don't do it because they're not a threat. But there's a lot of stuff that the media could do to Dave Smith that would be uh, that would work really, really well uh, because people can barely handle Dave Chappelle. At least he would have the media. That's what I would have thought four or five years ago. But look, it's kind of like look at Trump. I mean, they they tried to destroy Trump for a million things that he said. And I don't know, especially when you add in the context that Dave is a comedian that actually is his profession. I think it makes it a little easier for him to say, well, yeah, those are jokes. Um, but well, I, I mean, Trump had that. I think Trump had that, you know, number one reality TV show and and being like a, a, a internationally known name for his whole life thing. It helps put him up over that stuff. For sure. Um, I just, I'm just saying, I'm worried about it with actual audio recording. Like, of I him. agree. I, I I know, but he's so. Yeah. I'm not saying it makes sense. He literally said, that. "Grab her by the pussy," and then became yeah. relevant. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then he was president. I love Dave's comedy. I agree with him on, I think, all of the issues. I really have not heard anything that I disagree with him on. Um, I, think, I think out of those three, though, like if those are the three, if we're going to speculate, the person who has the, the highest chance, I think, um, to, to get the most recognition would be Dave Smith and then Justin Amash and then Spike Cohen. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. because, because Smith can, has access to Rogan. And mm-hmm. Fox News and other places that he's already been on. Amash obviously has access to the to the and, nat- and he'll be media. he'll be put on other platforms as a curiosity. You know, like other platforms will put him on just oh this comedian. You know, and they'll think they'll bring him on to mock him probably, but he'll he'll get attention for it too. And yeah. and I think he's really good off the cuff. I mean, oh, Dave, he's great. Dave Smith and debates and anything else you listen to him in, and I think probably because of his stand up and he's just he's very. Um, very quick and articulate. I think he would actually bring to me, even when you listen to Amash and I love Amash, don't get me wrong. Uh, but even when you listen to him, he's a little, um, a little dry, a little, a little dry, dry. A, little a little, not like a comedian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he also exactly. bothered me with, you know, his whole TDS and his whole TDS that he came down with that worries me about what's in his brain and, and what might come from that being able to fall into that. I think you another know, problem with know. the Libertarian Party, another thing I've come to accept, because I used to be someone that says, oh, the, the right and the left, there's no right, you know, the, we're, the, we're the middle, or not the middle, I, not, I never said that, that's like a Gary Johnson thing, but more like we're a, we're a third rail, you know, we're not either right nor left. And uh, there's something called Conquest Laws, this guy Robert Conquest, I think it's his second law, where he says any institution that is not inherently a right wing will become left wing. And you can really see that very obviously in the libertarian party it, it over the years it was founded as neither right nor left wing it had no no explicit statement as such and it very much became i mean it's a it's other than many elements of the lpmc that are trying to take it over it's it had been, essentially become a progressive institution i mean yes they either using libertarian language and libertarian means but promoting progressive ends and mm-hmm. so i think we can't deny that left and right exists i wanted to deny it for a long time but it is kind of a part of the human condition. Um, and when we try to act like it doesn't exist and act like we're, we're sort of, we're neither or, then we tell both of those people that are those things that we're not for either of them. And the numbers prove this. This is why the Libertarian Party, the most it ever got was Gary Johnson's like 3.4%. And that's what these guys are fighting for. They're fighting for the next guy to get 3.4%. Now, maybe, maybe Dave gets, can get a little more attention and get 4 or 5%. But at the end of the day, if you're saying, I'm not right nor left, I'm not your friend here or there. Most people aren't going to vote for you, especially when the system is, of course, and rigged, rigged to enforce that whole thing and rigged to make it difficult, much more difficult to even get the ballot access and all that stuff, which, you know, just on top of that stuff. But just so like a lot of speaking. Yeah. So let's bring this full circle then, because you bring up an interesting point, and I'm, I'm going to go back to our theological level here to bring this full circle. I thought you were going all the way back to the weather in no. Nashville. Okay. No, no, no. full circle uh, on this discussion. So 
theologically speaking, I, I think this is a good um, sentence that Jesus said in the New Testament, uh, which is, uh, if you're not with me, you're against me. Well, I, but I want to think, I know it's funny, but at the same time, I want to actually think about that sentence and what that actually means. And I even think about this like um, uh, cosmosisly even, right? Because you have uh, things that are going a certain direction. Uh, what I'm getting at, there really is no stasis. There's no middle ground, right? That's kind of what I'm saying. It's either like you're moving forward or backwards. Like either you're getting sucked into a black hole or you're moving away from it or whatever, or you're moving towards another one. Like there's not, there's not this like middle ground, right? You're either you're growing or you're dying. Like you're going right or you're going left. There is no other direction. And so, well, I mean, what do you do about that? I mean, that's my question, I guess. Like if there's this, if there's this part of human, uh, whatever you want to call it experience, let's say that has to go a certain direction. Like, what do you do about that? What do you do about trying to be the destination that people want to travel to? Well, acceptance first of all, to travel to acceptance is the first step. What it is acceptance. It is. You're right. It is acceptance. I mean, I I say this as someone that didn't accept this for like 12 years. So I it's only recently that I'm really starting to accept that. So I think you need to. That's the first step, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. It's the first step. Yeah. Yeah. So once you accept it, then you can kind of think of ways you can strategize. And I'm not saying there's no place for a libertarian party. I think I think there could be the place for a libertarian party if it if it knew its role, if it understood how it could best be used. I mean, I think it could best be used to hold on a in a local on a local you know means like to hold certain politicians accountable. Like, you know, if, if a libertarian party could gain, you know, could say we, we can consistently pull three to 5% of people in this area. And then, you know, in a lot of places, uh, you know, a lot of Democrat and Republican elect, a lot, yeah, Democrat and Republican elections are close between three and 5%. So in places like that, the libertarian party can go to the Republican and say, all right, you better be for decriminalizing marijuana or like decriminalizing drugs overall, uh, pulling back all COVID, you know, measures or in name three things or something like that, or we're going to run someone hardcore against you and take that vote away. I mean, that, I think that's, that's the role libertarian party could serve because then it's recognizing what it is. It's not pretending it's going to win the election. And and a lot of libertarians don't pretend they they actually say that they're running for office and they know they're not going to win. So why are you here to spread a message to who Mark to who? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but if you, if you, they understood the role, if they actually understood, yes, we only control, we can only get three to 5% of people, but those three to 5% of people matter in a lot of places, in a lot of states, they matter in a lot of cities, they matter. So if they can use that and actually say, this is what we have, you need to be more like us or else, or else we are going to take that 3.5% against you and hand it to the Democrat. Or in some places you go to the Democrat and maybe, maybe in some districts, it makes more sense to sort of be more partner with the Democrat, maybe a place that's more like, like, um, and I'll maybe certain cities in California. I'm just tossing out there. You might say you're not civilly libertarian enough on this stuff, you know, so you got to be support these things or we're going to run our guy. who's going to take your 3.5%. You know, the, I think that's, that's the best probably that the libertarian, that's the best role the libertarian party could probably ever serve is utilizing those, those hardcores that really would support that message and recognizing that most people won't <laughs> and, and using that knowledge and, and leveraging it. And that, that's how it could be the most effective. I, I can't see how it could be effective on, on the broad scale in our current system and we're not going to change the current system from outside the system. So it's like, it's a circular thing. I think we treat them as a minor league baseball team that the majors pluck out of every once in a while. Yeah. Just kind of cultivating. We can have some hot prospects and maybe we say you only get our hot prospects. If you, you know, you follow these, you know, three things. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Amash just got sent down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he did. He got sent down. He had a rough season. So he got sent down to the minors. (laughs) He's hoping to work his way back up. Meanwhile, hot oh, prospect yeah. Dave Smith has been smacking him out of the park lately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now to bring it full, full circle. Sure. Uh, we are accepting donations to this Church of Liberty. <laughs> Maybe we should It's the church. church of Ron Paul of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, exactly. Is what it is. Good morning, yeah. Lions yeah. of Liberty. What do you think? Yeah. Church. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> church of GMLOL. Yeah. So Good. make make go make all your donations at goodmorningliberty.com. Uh, Locals.com and or uh, lions of liberty.com or patreon.com slash lions of liberty or the variety of other donation methods you can find over on lions liberty.com. Exactly. So that's that actually is full, full circle. That, that truly is. Just, we're going to poach their patrons over here. I no, see we, what you did. No, we agree. We're making a church. <laughs> we agree. Everybody listening should support both church. programs. But if you exactly. have to choose, 
into Beeline's Liberty. All right, everybody. <laughs> um, now, before before we end, though, but feel free to plug on anything else you guys go, got going on. I know you got the trading program too. That that uh, Nate is up at five a.m. working on instead of drinking, instead of making you know making uh, Bloody Marys at five a.m. Luckily, so uh, feel free to plug away on anything else you want to send people towards. It was actually like whiskey and coffee. This mm-hmm. is morning yep. drink of whiskey and coffee, the <laughs> cheapest whiskey and coffee that I could possibly do. No, if you uh, if you're interested in trading at all, we uh, we talk about long term trading, day trading. I get up and trade live every morning at Market Open, and there's 350 videos on the website as well, and you can join the Discord and see some stock picks and all that kind of stuff. So you know we are interested in this whole building your own wealth thing as well because the market's always going to be open. And you can always make a trade and, and take control. So uh, nomadnetwork.app slash <laughs> I'm just... Hey, sponsors both our shows. So we can't we can promote the Nomad Network. <laughs> yeah. Although uh, it's we, slash we, lion if you want to be good. Yeah, I think it's slash GML. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. But no, um, if you go to... There's too many links here, but I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Mastermytrades.com. That is where you go for that website. And then also... If you want to follow this podcast, we put out a brand new episode every single day of the week when we want to talk in life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And you can go to goodmorningliberty.us slash connect, and it'll give you a link for whatever you fancy. Every single morning in Hawaii when we feel like it. That's the GML guarantee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's All right, guys. Well, the uh, whole meaning part is where we're going to really get into this, you know, church stuff, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this, like this, this like day maybe looked run. back on uh, as the day the, uh, the true Church of Liberty was founded. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. All right, gentlemen, exactly. it's been a blast, man. Guys, keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. Live long and live free.